Well, good morning. How are you doing? Doing well? We are packed in. You know what? Third anniversary, we are excited to be celebrating that God is at work. Amen? God is at work. Let me ask you a question. In the midst of life, in the midst of what we have going on, have you ever felt lost or confused? Have you ever felt afraid or maybe disappointed? Have you ever been rattled with something going on in your life where you're saying, I just don't know what's coming next and I'm not sure how this is going to turn out? In the midst of those moments, in the midst of life having its uncertain times, we have some things that are absolutely guaranteed. We have some satisfaction guaranteed promises that we can be leaning on. And that's where we're going to be going over the next seven weeks. We're going to be looking at satisfaction guaranteed in uncertain times. What can I lean on with who God is? So let's dive in today and get started. First question I have is, so what's going on in this passage we're going to be looking at? Let's make sure we get a little bit of the context, okay? The disciples... They've been excited. They've been nervous. They've been amazed. They've seen God move. They've seen miracles occur. They've seen hearts change. They've seen the physical fixed. They have watched this person become a prophet, become much more in their eyes. And they're excited to be a part of this little thing they've got going. And in that moment, Jesus says, I just want to let you know there's a few things going on. He's having a dinner and he says, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to betray me. And you can just imagine the feeling of the 12. They all like, what? And of course, one of them going, he knows. And he says, as I eat here, it's going to become very clear. There's a little sign. And he walks through it. Now, the disciples are seemingly oblivious. It actually says in John 13, even after the sign occurs, even after it's been made clear that it's Judas, even after Judas stands up and walks out, disappointed that it's been pointed out, there's ones around him going, is he going to get more food? It literally says that. John chapter 13. Like, seriously, is he going to get more food? It's in uh, verses like 29 and 30. They're completely confused. I don't know. Maybe he's getting more stuff. Maybe he went to go give some stuff to the poor. He is the money guy. Like, they're missing it. But at the same time, they're seeing that somebody is going to betray. And then Jesus says, I'm moving on. I'm going to a place where you can't go. It's no longer me and you guys. It's you guys. I'm moving on and you can't come with. And there's a little discourse that goes on with that. And then he looks to Peter, the rock. The one who's impetuous. The one who's just goal-driven. Goal-driven. And he steps up to him and he says... You're going to deny me three times. I mean, let's put our arms around the whole of this. In the moment, we have this thing that's rocking. And Jesus says, the money changer is out. The head guy, he's going to wobble. And the leader is gone. Do you think they're feeling a little bit of the angst and the nervousness and the unsettledness of what tomorrow's going to bring? So Jesus delivers in John chapters 14 through 16, a discourse, a series of discourses that says, here's what you can trust in. 
Satisfaction guaranteed. Lean on this in the midst of your uncertainty. And I'm telling you, it's going to be all right. So let's take a look today. John chapters 14, verses 1 through 14. The ushers are going to be coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands, and we'd love to get one to you. So we're just going to be walking through this passage verse by verse. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand, and we'll get one to you, okay? Just raise your hand, and the ushers will get one to you. And let's dive in here. Guarantees. Today we're looking at guaranteed authority. Jesus is saying, you need to trust that I know what I'm doing. You need to trust that I've got this under control. Guaranteed authority. How is this authority meted out? Let's look at three things. First, he says, the place. Jesus is preparing a heavenly home and he will return for us. Guaranteed. Let's take a look where that comes from. We'll start right here in John 14, verse 1. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Remember what we're talking about? Their hearts are troubled. They're in a moment of angst. He's looking at them and he said, okay, I just delivered three blows and I'm seeing the body language and I know what's going on in their hearts. Don't be troubled. Hang on. We've got a plan. This is what he says. First, believe in God. Believe also in me. I'm telling you a big part of your heart calming down is centering it on who I am. Look to me. Trust in me. Trust in God Almighty and trust in me. It's about belief, guys. Your heart's wobbling. What situation are you in where your heart's wobbling? It's about Jesus. Get your eyes off the problem and start looking right to him. Believe in me. That's where the answer is. He says, believe in God, believe also in me. But then he goes one step further. He says, in my father's house, are many rooms in my father's house are many rooms now for those of us who've been around church for a while and you may have memorized in the king james and this passage actually used to say in my father's house are many mansions okay and then we sing we got this mansion over the hilltop right and we're like everybody's picturing castles you know what i mean like it's gonna be awesome and we have this american dream of monstrosity okay just get rid of it because it's not about size this is about who not about size. It says, in my father's house are many rooms, is the ESV translation. You know, the mansions word, I'll just tell you where it came from real quickly. They went originally to a Latin word, mansionis. It basically is, it means room, space. It could even be large rooms. And then, hey, doesn't that sound like mansions? And so when it went to the English and the King James, they went to mansions. And it really, unfortunately, has given us some bogus doctrine. So be a little careful, okay? What this says is, in my father's house, singular, big dwelling for the almighty of almighties, God almighty in his dwelling place, there is space and a place for you. Now that's the hope. It's not about size. It's about who we're with. Amen? It's not about size. It's about who we're with. The father's house and there's space for you. And there's a space for me. There is a room that we can rely on. There is a place that we know we will be for all eternity. Now that's some hope. In the midst of some guys who have just heard, I'm leaving, they're hearing, don't worry. There's a place and there's a plan and it's about eternity together. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Would I have said it? What I told you that there's, I'm going to prepare a place if there's no place. Guys, there's a place. Are you hearing me? 
There's a place. I said it. I mean it. Let's follow through and trust in it. There's a place. Jesus is preparing a place. What's that mean? Preparing a place? Well, he was a carpenter on earth. Maybe he's like sawing and cutting and nailing a lot, you know? And everybody that comes to Christ... My wife thinks that's funny. So... I mean, you know, everybody that comes to Christ, you got to build another room, you know? So he's building a lot. He's carpenter, you know? That's not what it means, okay? What it means is... He's preparing the way. He's moving in hearts. He's providing what's needed, which is a payment that you and I need to be able to be restored to him. The work at the cross was a huge part of the preparing. The work in resurrection was a huge part of the preparing. The work as he sits at the right hand of the father, as he advocates for you and me, it's a huge part of the preparing. It's about your heart. And it's about a time and a place where we spend all of eternity with the Almighty. Amen? It's about a relationship with Him. And He's preparing us for that day. And He's prepared for His justice to be satisfied in it. Jesus, the ultimate preparer. He's not just a carpenter. He's not just building rooms. Okay? He said, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you... I will come again and I will take you to myself. Let me tell you something, boys. I was here as a servant leader this time. This time I came to provide. But when I return, I'm telling you, I return. I am coming as king of kings. I am coming as lord of lords. I will be in charge of all and I am coming for you. And we will be together for all eternity. You have the chance to know the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You have the chance to know the one who will be returning on the white horse with fire in his eyes, with authority to reign. He will be in charge of all. And we have a chance to spend all of eternity getting to know him more, getting to know him richer, getting to know him deeper. We have a chance to be with him, as he said here, for all eternity. Now that's a promise. Amen. We can lean on who Jesus Christ is, not just as this painting we see of this calm, pensive, looking away man who seems to not speak much and have no energy and have no draw. It was a nice try, but he's more than that. He's an amazing God who blows you away. He spends each and every day getting you to know him deeper, know him more passionately. He provides for you. He works with you. He's interacting with you. He loves you with all of he's got. And he will be coming again as king of kings with a place for us to be and a person to know, to be able to celebrate him with all we've got. Now that's a plan that can begin to get our, our eyes off the little bit of problem. Amen? Even off the lot of bigger problem. I mean, some of the problems we face are tough, huge problems. And this gives us an eternal hope in the midst of it. Eternal hope. He goes one step further here. He says, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. You know the way to where I'm going. You know the way to where I'm going. And we're going to talk about that statement in just a second in the next piece. Jesus' challenge is simply this. I want you to understand I have authority. And this authority is promising you relationship for eternity. This authority is promising you a place with the Almighty to spend time with Him, to be passionate about Him for the rest of our lives. 
to get our eyes up off the problems in ourselves and fix them squarely on Jesus Christ, on the horizon, on eternity. Our King of Kings is coming back. To put it this way, this is the ultimate phrase of, I'll be back. Do you know what I'm saying? And that phrase was all about terror. And this one is all about hope. Amen? I'll be back. He's coming to reign, and you and I have a chance to be with him for all of eternity. The place. You know, we, uh, we often try to use things in our home to figure out what's going on. You know, we got that thermometer to try to figure out the temperature. We got the barometer to try to figure out the weather. We've got, you know, maybe you even get on the weather channel because you don't use those physical things anymore. We're all electronic, right? So you get on the web page and you do the yahoo.weather.com or whatever. There was a man who went and he bought a barometer to put up in his home. And he tacked it up and uh, thumped it a few times. And like, it just kept, it was stuck. The needle, and he's like, well, maybe it'll, maybe it'll fix itself when it's hanging there. So he goes away and comes back and checks it in a little bit, and it's still stuck. He's like, this is ridiculous. This is brand new, you know? Well, I'll exchange it tomorrow. So the man ends up, as he goes to bed that night, thumping it one more time and checking it, and it's just pinned hard to the right. I mean, it's pinned into hurricane mode. You know, it's like, come on, what is this thing doing? The next day he goes to work, and he's unable to return home because his home was demolished by a hurricane. Like when we're told something, we need to begin to say, should I trust it? And we start to question it for a variety of reasons. The man was questioning the barometer because it was brand new to his life and he didn't know how much he should trust it. My question to you is this, how well do you know Jesus Christ? He's promising you a relationship with him that will last for all eternity. He's promising you that he will return. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? He's promising you satisfaction guaranteed. Do you trust him? That one called for a yes. Do you trust him? We got to be trusting in him with all we've got. He is worth knowing and trusting in. What is it you're struggling with? What's the problem that is so big in your life that it distracts, that it makes you nervous, that it's got you wobbling? Let's set it down. And start looking squarely to him and trust him with all we've got. The place. His authority guarantees it. Second, the person. Jesus has all we need to know. The person. He has all we need to know. He starts out here and he's answering. There's two clueless guys that are brought up in this passage. I'd hate to be one of these guys recorded for all eternity, but here's their cluelessness, okay? So Jesus says in verse 4, And you know the way to where we're going, okay? And Thomas responds, uh, you can almost picture him kind of like eating out of a bag of potato chips or something. And he's, you know, he's completely, you know, he's doing one of the lick your fingers. He's got salt all over, you know. He's like, Lord, we don't even know where you're going. How can we know the way? It's like he's completely clueless. He's missing it. He's saying to him, you know the way. And instead of saying, really? Okay, that's great. Just help me understand it. I'm a little, he just, how do we even know where you're going? Give us, how do we map quest if we don't know the address? That's what he's saying, right? I don't know the way. I don't know where you're going. What are you talking about? Completely missing it. Jesus answers to him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Can you just hear that moment? Where Thomas is thinking of some directional, you know, turn right at this big rock and go to this small town and do, right? And he's like, I'm the way. 
Oh, well, that's metaphorical, right? I'm the truth. I'm the life. What are you talking about? Seriously? I know we, okay. What does that mean? Well, let's think about it for a second. I'm the way, you know, the thing you need when you're lost. I'm the truth. The information you're missing when you're uninformed and confused. I'm the life. The very thing that needs to be breathed into you as you lay lifeless spiritually, not responding to God at all. I breathe that life into you. I am your life. I'm your truth. I'm your way. I'm what you need. I'm who you need. Look to me, Thomas. In that moment, what teaching has just occurred? He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me one way, right? There's definite articles on these. It's not, I'm a way. Well, I'm a good way. I'm a nice way. I'm a way. No, I'm the way. There is one way. No one comes except by me. That's how it works. They're beginning to understand a little bit about the power of this relationship. He says in verse seven, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him. And you've seen him. Now in that moment, what is he telling them? Come on, boys, wake up. This is an important one. I'm about ready to leave and I need you hearing this. I am the way. You see me, you've seen the father. We're about ready to hear a little bit more of it in the rest of the passage, but let's get this clear. I and the father see me, see that one, see that one, you know me. You getting it, boys? Okay, this is a big challenge for the disciples, and it's a huge challenge for us. We can know who God Almighty is as we know who Jesus Christ is. As we watch him move, as we see of his character, as we watch him challenge people, as we have him experienced in our daily life, we are experiencing God Almighty and knowing him personally. Jesus is God. That's what he's saying. What does it mean that he's the way, the truth, and the life? What do I have to do with that? Let's be really clear before we move on. We are told in scripture that we are in one spot. Every single human being, we've come up short. Every single one of us, we owe something because we weren't perfect. It says, I have a bar. My bar is perfection. Hit the perfection or we got a problem. That's his justice. That's his holiness. And a God who's only just and holy could just say, and we're done. Right? And wipe us. I mean, that's it. You didn't meet up, we're done, move on. But that's not who God is. He's not just and holy only. He is just holy and loving, merciful. And in the midst of his love and in the midst of his mercy and in the midst of his compassion for us, he says, I'm going to provide an alternate replacement payment way of getting there. My shed blood, innocent, unwarranted, but available. I will write the blank check and fill it in for you. My blood for your penalty. Just embrace who I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He's simply saying this, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. We need to believe that Jesus rose again from the dead. We need to confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. We just need to say this. I'm sorry. I've gone the wrong way. I've done the wrong things. I've shot an air ball. I've missed what you wanted done. I've come up short and I know the penalty is eternal separation. Please replace my payment with your shed blood. 
I want to run hard after you. I want to love you with all I've got. I want to turn and run after you and follow you. Please forgive me for my sin. That's it. That's all that's required. My question to you is this. Do you know him as the way? Do you know him as the truth and the life? Have you leaned on him? Have you asked him to forgive you for your shortcoming? Have you asked him to replace your payment with his shed blood? Have you simply said this? My heart is yours. I'm running hard after you now, Lord. Please forgive me. I want to be satisfied in you. You want satisfaction guaranteed? It's the only way. It's the one way. Embrace him with all you got. Now, many of us here can say, I've done that. I I trusted in him. So now I just hang out and I don't know what I'm doing here on earth. I guess I amass for myself until the end and then we'll go see what that heaven thing's like. That's not it. It's about once we start a relationship with him, may we every day grow to know him deeper. May we every day celebrate him more. He is the way, the truth, the life. He is so worth knowing he will blow your mind. Satisfaction guaranteed. Are you going after it or are you going for something else? It's really kind of a waste of time to be running hard after the other. What is it you're running after? Think of it right now. What's that thing that distracts me the most? Like when I wake up in the morning, what's that thing I first think of? What's that thing that I get all uptight about? That's the thing you're going to need to set aside a little bit. It's not that it doesn't have to be cared for, but we've got to get Jesus Christ centered up in your life. You're ready to grab him as your center, as your way, as your truth, as your life. He guarantees satisfaction in that. He guarantees eternal life with him. He's the way, and he's worth knowing with all we've got. You know, we often wrestle with, well, is that all we need or not, right? I mean, I was looking a couple years ago. uh, I saw these guys on, on TV. They were talking about getting all ripped and buff, you know? And so they were talking about this exercise program, and they're showing these guys who are like emaciated little scrawny men. And then 90 days later, whoa, you know what I'm talking about? And you're like, I could handle 90 days, you know? And so I'm watching these guys. You know what I'm talking about. Like you watch it 19 times. You do it with me, right? You're watching 19 times. You're like, come on, that can't be real. And then finally after the 20th, somehow it's different. And you're like, I should maybe check into that, right? (laughs) So I ordered one of those magic exercise programs. Yeah, and you're like, dude, did you use it, right? (laughs) So I open it up and I start reading the thing. And this is what it says. It's given this awesome program, which honestly I could never do. It's so much, it would be so much of a blow to ankles and knees. It's doing pull-ups constantly all day long. It's like the thing is out of control. It works. I believe them, but, but it wasn't even necessarily doable. And then at the end, it says to actually experience that, which we've portrayed in this, in this uh, pamphlet, you'll need to get our diet program. Right? So how come these guys... So all of a sudden, it's not just that. Now it's that and this. I did get a pair of sunglasses with it. That was nice. (laughs) So what's the deal? You know what? I ended up sending the whole thing back. Sunglasses included. Like, okay, fine. I'll give those up. Send it back. Why? Because it it was actually selling something just to sell the next thing in line. What was really happening was, yeah, it's not that it doesn't work if you go crazy. You can do anything there, and it would have probably worked in that close of proximity. But the reality was... It was not selling something truthful. It first sold one thing so that I then had to get the next. I'm telling you this. Jesus Christ says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. 
He's it. I'm telling you this. He says, all you need is me. He's it. I'm telling you this. When you get locked into knowing him and loving him and relating to him and every single day looking more like him, he's it. There is no extra. There is no up. There is no added. He's it. He's all we need to be able to know the father and to experience eternal life with God almighty. Amen? Amen. Now he is all we need. Authority in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's worth going after. Do you know him? Get him. He is so worth knowing. Satisfaction guaranteed. The place, it's guaranteed for life. The person, guaranteed satisfaction in knowing him. He'll change your life. He'll change your world. And last, the power. Ask anything in Jesus' name and he will do it. Ask anything in Jesus' name and he will do it. Now, some of you just woke up a little bit and you went, what did he just, did he just guarantee me anything? Hang on, we'll cover that. All right. Now, this is a little bit of a long section, but it goes pretty quickly. Philip, okay, clueless man number two here. Remember, we just ended with, uh, from now on, you do know him and you've seen him. Philip now stands up and says, uh, Lord, you know, probably eating the chips again, you know, Lord, just, just show us the father and that's enough. What, what is he saying? It's like, Jesus, don't work that hard. It, don't worry about it. Just show us the father. Give me one of those little Isaiah six moments where I get to see the throne. Bam, I'm different for life and we're good. That's all I'm asking for. Just a glimpse of the father and we're done. Think that's a little disrespectful. He's missing it. He doesn't see the disrespect of it, but he's basically just saying, yeah, it's still not about you. It's about the father over there. Just show me Jesus answer. Jesus says to him, okay, can you hear a little bit of the sarcasm in this? Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Can you hear a little bit of the, come on, dude, get with it here a little bit. Have, don't you know it? And then he says, whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? Show us the father. I am. Well, well show us him just for a second. Look here. I, do you see him? He's right here in front of you. I and the father are one. I am in the father and the father is in me. Whoa, heresy. What did he just say? Okay, the Father is in me. We can kind of handle that a little bit, right? Like God comes, he indwells, he works with, but I am in the Father? What, God's essence is dependent upon you? What are you saying? What, you're God? Yes. Whoa. Do you hear the little wake-up call moment? This is a statement of deity. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Look here, Philip. You've just seen the Father. You want to know authority? You're looking at him. You want to know the king of kings? You just met him and have been walking with him for the last couple years. You want to be blown away? Open up your eyes a little more. It's right here. I am in the father and the father is in me. Now he goes on and he says, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the father who dwells in me does his works. In other words, don't get me wrong. There's a whole order in this thing. And it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God the Father does have the preeminent authority here. And I am working in conjunction with him. I, God the Son, am working in conjunction. Equal and yet under as far as authority. This is a huge little teaching moment. I can only imagine the confusion in these guys' minds as they're trying to grasp which turn they were supposed to make on the walking path. And they're getting informed of the Trinitarian impact of who Jesus Christ is in this world. Can you imagine the moment of what's being shared? And he says, 
Verse 11. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Now, you need to know something. Our English doesn't do this justice because you singular and you plural look the same in our English. But in verse 10, he's talking to Philip and he says, do you believe me? Philip. So it's one of these. He's like looking right at somebody. Do you believe me? Do you? And in that moment, so Christian's already nodding his head because it begs the, yeah, right? Like when somebody's that close to you and they're asking, you're like, yeah, we're good. So that, and then he goes, do you believe me? Verse 11, that's what just happened. He just went from the individual to the group. Do you believe? Do you understand that I'm in the Father and that the Father is in me? Are you with me on this, guys? Uh, yeah, right? There's this moment of they're trying to give him the mental assent. They're trying to agree. Here's what he says. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Look, at least look at what I'm doing. At least seeing what's happening. Can you see the lives change? Can you see the physical healings? Can you see what's going on? Start to trust me, guys. It's about the authority that's in and through me. This is a guarantee. Now he steps in. Truly, truly. Great way to lead when you really want somebody to listen, right? Truly, truly. I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do. What? What is he promising here? Like, Hearts were already being impacted, but let's be honest. In three years of ministry, Christ has several hundred followers. Some estimate close to 500 followers, and, and a lot of them are pretty lame. Like, they're not even sure they get who he is, and they're actually asking which way to go to follow him rather than seeing him as the way. So in this moment, Christ is really here not so much to build followership as he is to provide, right? What's his main coming when he comes to go to the cross? And he's on his way there. He's building that beginning starting point of some men who will get who he is and be on fire for him. But in the moment, he's just moving in the narrow few. Just wait. One day at Pentecost, bam, 3,000 people come to him, right? And all of a sudden, it blows up in ways unimaginable. And we get to be a part of that ministry expansion, of that ministry growth, of life change, of churches being planted. We get to be a part of watching him build his followership. And it is going like wildfire. He's saying, you can be a part of something amazing. That's the challenge for us. Then he goes one step further. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Wow. Okay, so hang on, let me check it. Maybe it means say in Jesus' name and then you get it, right? So, okay. Uh, can I please have a Ferrari right here in Jesus' name? That doesn't work. How come that didn't work? It says in Jesus' name. It says, right? Well, what could that mean? Maybe it doesn't mean just tack on this little three or four or five words at the end and put a comma. Maybe that's not what it means. Maybe it means something more about my heart in the whole thing. Maybe that's what it means. Ask in Jesus' name. You know, here's some thoughts I put on it of what it might mean. It might mean in relationship with him. Underneath his will understanding his character and purpose in Jesus' name. Grasping which way he's headed with life. Grasping what he wants to accomplish. Drawing from him in Jesus' name. You see, it's not about this magic mantra so that we can rub the little magic genie bottle and get whatever we want. Well, what is the purpose? Glad you asked. It says right after it. 
What's the purpose? He says that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Notice what it doesn't say. That you may get whatever stuff you want. That we may avoid whatever pain is coming. That we can be completely comfortable in our walk here on this earth. That's not what it says. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. The purpose is glorification. The answer to prayer is about walking closely to Him. It's about knowing where he's headed. It's about knowing where he's moving. It's about knowing what he's doing and saying, I grasp where you're headed. May you please move right here, Lord. And he says, you know it. Let's do it. And he comes right alongside. Is it that he goes, wow, I never thought of that. That's a wonderful idea. Okay. And he steps in. Is that what's going on? Is that who God is? No way. God's going exactly. Now that's my will. Exactly. Now that's where I was headed. Is we, as we pray, if we start seeing ourselves getting a lot of yeses, guess what? You've found it. You're in the will. You're in the rhythm. You know where he's moving. You've grasped what's going on. You might find that you constantly pray and it's constantly no. What might be going on? A few thoughts I put down. Some things biblically that tell us why we get answers to no. First of all, sometimes we ask amiss that we may consume it upon our lusts. James chapter 4, verse 2. You know, the Ferrari. The whatever, the nice, bigger place, the better job, the bigger money, the whatever, just so that we can have it. If it's just about me and amassing and consuming, there's pretty good guarantee the answer is going to be no. Because this is about glorifying the Father. That's one, one issue. Second one, unrepentant sin. Do you know that? You look at First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It talks about husbands caring for your wives, knowing your wives. The word there, gnosko, the Greek, understand them. Be a student of your wife. Care for your wife. And by the way, if you're not doing that, your prayers might be hindered in this. Where are you at in your heart? Your prayers will be hindered. He's basically saying, walk with the Lord. Understand who he is. Walk in your own way. Miss the whole point. That's what he's saying. Yeah, our prayers can be hindered. It's not, oh, doggone, I don't get to have the Ferrari because I sinned yesterday. See, we're still missing the point. It's about the glory of God Almighty. It's about the Father being lifted up. The prayers that impact the most are, Lord, whose heart next? Lord, where are you moving? What person next? How can we build up this kingdom to glorify you more? Who is being raised up next, Lord? Where do you want me going? Who do you want me talking to? That is the kind of prayer God's interested in most. Don't get me wrong. Physical, physical problems and physical healings. And God is all over it. And he's all over nurturing care in the community. And again, why? So that we can move hearts. It's always about moving the heart. It's always about coming alongside the heart and bringing them closer to him. As we look at prayer, this is a big angst in the Christian community. I've just won. I've been praying for it. I've been demanding it. Why am I not getting it? Well, let's figure out what God's doing and where his will is going. And let's start abiding there and see what kind of answers we get. So the first one, we might consume it. Second one, we might have unrepentant sin. Third one, it actually, a lot of times we're praying for other people's hearts. And their heart is their heart. And God's working with it. And so sometimes our prayer might be said no, because God's saying, hang on, I'm working with a heart. And that heart's not ready for that one. He needs a little something different. She needs a little something different. Just hang on. I'm with you on that. I'm totally on board with what you're praying there, but we're going to have to take a long detour around to work with this heart. Just hang on. Prayer 
It's awesome. It's big time. And when God answers, you are blown away. The power of God at work, the authority of Jesus Christ in our lives, moving and changing, turning and shaping him at work in us. We can experience his power moving. You know, last week we talked a little bit about just looking back and looking forward in this body. And uh, what I just wanted to do here at the close is just this clip. We've got a little video clip to think some things through here. What has God been doing here? I mean, just take a look left. Take a look right. Look at what God is doing. Look at who God is bringing. Watch God work. We've got a little video that just summarizes some things that have gone on in the last three years, but especially in this last year, year and a half, okay? Just want to show you the power of God at work when we settle in and watch him move. New lives, new hope, new changes, fresh stuff. We are just thrilled with what God's doing around here, and I simply want this for you, to meet the Almighty and to find him completely sufficient, totally, totally standalone, sufficient, satisfaction guaranteed, guaranteed place, guaranteed person, guaranteed power, him at work in your life and in this body. That's where we're headed. We're excited to be here. We're excited to have you with us. Let me just pray.